You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. show that is just a little selection from girl with the leak by sea shanty on amazon music a little ditty which is based off of the tune to a sea shanty or so i'm told my kids exposed me to that and now i can't get it out of my head now it's stuck in there just rattling around bouncing into things Knocking other thoughts over from time to time this past week. You're welcome. Go check it out. The full thing is pretty fun. And uh, I don't know, just weird. Just weird. Welcome back to the Geared Ashley Mullet Show, though. This is episode 304 of the podcast. It is January 17th, 2022, and a Monday. It doesn't feel like a Monday to me, except that yesterday was Sunday. We went back to church for the first time in a little over a month. And it was really good to see people and to be able to catch up a little bit, chat a little bit. Of course, everybody wants to know how Lauren is doing and if we've had the baby just yet or what our plans are. Our plans are to have this baby hopefully soon and to try to be patient, try to have a good attitude. Lauren is very ready to be through the delivery process and holding baby Andrew in her arms, seeing him face to face. Lord willing, that happens soon. But in the meantime, I took the four oldest boys to church yesterday. Eli helped in the sound booth, which is solid. I appreciate him doing that. The other boys hung out with their friends, so did Eli after the service was over, before the service started. It was good to see them catching up, hanging out, touching base, playing, all that. But this episode, I want to talk a little bit about the Oculus Quest 2. And I know I've touched on it, I know I've mentioned it in passing a couple of times, but I didn't really have a whole lot of first-hand opportunities to play myself, in part because I just recently started a new job and I've been very interested, very preoccupied with that. My wife is very pregnant and so I've been trying to help her take it easy. But now that I'm into the new schedule of seven days on, seven days off, I've got a few days in a row off, I am needing a rest, needing a break, needing to kind of recharge my own batteries And so the past couple of days, I've been trying out this quest to some dismay of my 
sons who would like to play some more themselves. I've limited them to 45-minute turns because I just don't want them getting sucked into it. And it's only got so much battery. We've got the extended battery because the base model has two hours. It's all cordless. It's all wireless. I guess you could play with it just hooked up to the wall and play indefinitely. But the base model has a two-hour battery life. You can get an extended battery that doubles that to four hours. But I'm not really setting a strict turn timer for myself. I'm jumping on there, and especially since I didn't really play for the past however many weeks we've had it, three weeks at this point that we've had it. Didn't really play all that much, just a couple of short stints here and there. Now that I'm playing, I am playing a little bit more extended and I'm going to have to maybe not set a turn timer, but I'm going to have to moderate myself as well because yesterday had a great time, a great time playing some Quest 2 with a friend. And I played for three hours, three to four hours, something like that, straight. And it didn't feel like it. That's the, that's the crazy thing about it. That's the thing I think we need to be careful about, especially as VR gets more and more realistic, we're going to have to be very careful to not get sucked in and lose all sense of time. At a certain point into playing, it it had been late afternoon when I started, but my wife comes through our sitting room and kind of taps me on the shoulder as she's walking by just so I don't you know, bump into her accidentally or get spooked and you know, fall over or something crazy. But she's like, yeah, just so you know, like you're playing in a dark room now. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Did the sun go down? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, what time is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's six o'clock. Oh, really? You know. So, yeah. It, I mean, a cautionary word... I think we're going to have to be very careful to moderate that. It's a good thing if it's only got so much battery life. So maybe you don't overdo it. But I think setting a timer is not just a good idea for my kids. I think it's also a good idea for me because I took those VR goggles off. And a couple of things occurred to me. I realized once I re-entered the real world. One, my eyes were bloodshot, which is not so good. Uh, for two... My face felt just a little bit puffy with having that thing strapped to it for so long. For three, my legs were really, really sore. And for four, I had lost all track of time. So the games we've got, they're balanced enough, I think. And there's more games besides, I'm sure, that we'll get as time goes on. But... The 11 table tennis game is super fun. Like, it is very, very true to life. It feels like you're, you're playing ping pong. It feels like ping pong. Uh, you play against the AI if you want. You can play against other players if you want. I have only played against the AI the couple of times that I've played, with the exception of yesterday playing with my friend Paul Pavlik. But 
and it was it was cool. It was cool to play ping pong and to feel like it re- like the ball was moving and the paddle was like you could put spin on the ball and like all those things that feel like you're playing ping pong. And I at first, as always, when I play a game of ping pong after a long time of not having, uh, you know, it felt like, hey, I'm not so good at this and I gotta get warmed up again. Once I got warmed up again though, it's like okay, it's coming back to me, right? Like here's how I do it. Like I try to play these angles and I try to like mix up the spin and short and long shots and hard and soft shots and you know, you do all that to to try and catch your um opponent off guard. But that game was super, super fun, and I definitely, like the first time I really played it, I definitely played it like two hours straight against the AI. I had it on medium difficulty. It had been years since I played ping pong last, and I went 50 rounds with not a single win (laughs) against medium, which was galling because it's like, man, I thought I was at least good enough to win a couple of rounds against medium, like surely. But, you know, every now and then, especially with having a wife and kids, they're making comments from the other room as they kind of look in, like, what's dad doing? What's Garrett doing? And they're like, my daughter in particular, she's like, dad, like, you've got like giant wet marks under your armpits. And I hear my wife like, oh yeah, that's sweat. And apparently my daughter must have made a face, crunched up her nose, like, ew, that's gross. Which tells me a couple things. One, apparently, I don't exert myself enough around my family that my daughter's not sure what it looks like for me to sweat. (laughs) That's concerning. Here's your sign. If the soreness wasn't enough to tell you you might not be getting enough physical activity... Your daughter not knowing what it looks like for you to sweat is is maybe a tell. Uh, but that is to say, too, whether it's me being out of shape or it is that game uh, being a really good workout or both, I suppose both are possible, I really got a good workout. I came out of playing that game feeling tired physically, like <clears throat> like I had physically exerted myself. And what's great about it is, and and I, <clears throat> all of my cautionary, I I don't mean to overblow, right? Like doom and gloom, uh, you know, a wet blanket. Uh, I don't want to be a wet blanket. I don't want to be a Luddite. I'm definitely not a Luddite. I'm very much a, a pro-technology person. I work in technology. I definitely see its value. But I just don't want us to. I just don't want us to become slaves to it, right? I think that's fair. As soon as the device starts to control you, it becomes the master. You become the slave. Uh, that's when you need to rethink how you're using technology, how you're developing technology. But you, what's very much my experience, and probably all of our experience, in playing video games and computer games. Those of us who grew up playing those things, or our kids grew up playing those things. You sit, right? You're stationary. You sit and all of the movement is between your ears, your eyes, your brain, or 
your thumbs. Your thumbs and your fingers are pushing buttons, and that's it, right? Like If you're going to sit and play something for hours, you get up and you're tired and you're fatigued because you've been sitting. And your body is yelling at you, like, get up. Like, get up and move around. Like, you can't sit that much. That's not healthy. Well, the great thing about VR is, particularly with some of these more physical games, you don't come out of playing those games with your body yelling at you because you sat for that whole time. If anything, your body might be telling you, like, hey, you need to take, you, you need to go sit down now because you've been moving, you've been exerting yourself. And because it's a game, you don't think of it as exercise necessarily, first and foremost. But on the other end of it, it's like, man, I, I must have burned some respectable calories, some, a decent amount of calories there. But you also feel fresh, right? Because you've you got the blood pumping, you've got the lungs and the heart going. There was a game yesterday we played called Blast On, which is this kind of slow motion dueling shooter game. It's kind of sci-fi and not terribly realistic, but everything moves in slow motion and then these guns appear in thin air that you're supposed to like reach for and grab and they have different qualities like there's kind of a shotgun one, there's kind of a sniper one and there's shields you can throw up that like block the shots from the other players as they're flying towards you but you can dodge bullets because they're moving so slowly so then simultaneously as you're dodging and you're trying to put shields up that like only last for so long like you're moving around a, a pretty good amount within this little space you know you, you you're standing on a platform they're standing on a platform and it's kind of this arena atmosphere where like there's spectators and they're watching uh, kind of like a gladiator uh, gladiatorial uh, match of some sort in the future. But I came out of that game and even this morning woke up with my legs feeling it. You know, I'm trying to do all this like crazy Neo bullet dodge slow motion stuff. And then my body reminds me that, hey, wait a second, like, you're not <laughs> start slow like you need to ease into it guy but there's another great game we didn't play it last night or yesterday i don't even think you can i'm told you can't play multiplayer just yet it's all single player against the ai but it's called thrill of the fight and it's a boxing game and i played that one i think it was the only game i played for my whole 12 days straight hitch, working a dozen days straight. I played Thrill of the Fight one evening because I was just so tired of sitting. I'd just been sitting for so, so much doing this really intensive work, and I needed something just kind of like fun and also to get me up and moving. <clears throat> so I played this Thrill of the Fight, this boxing game, and I went three rounds with the AI, and I won, so that's good, but three rounds of the AI... And I take that VR headset off, and I'm just like, I need a towel to wipe all of the sweat off. I'm Actually, I'm going to need to go get a second shower for the day because I'm just like drenched in sweat. And I was sore. I'll tell you what, I kid you not, I was sore for like three days. Upper body, shoulders, and chest, and 
back and abs and arms and like everything, like whole upper body was just like, whoa, what are we doing? You know? And again, as with Blast On, as with table tennis, it could be that this is a really good workout. It could be that I'm really out of shape. It could be a little bit of both and instead of either or. And yet I'm not, I I don't feel bad about being sore. Actually, I feel really, really good about being sore and sweating and exerting myself in this. Because whichever it is, whether this is a really good workout, I'm really out of shape. It's really beside the point because this is a workout for me, right? Like if I can start with this and just kind of like steadily, regularly throw in some of these games, I think in conjunction with this membership at the Greeley Rec Center, it could be a really, really good way of, for me during my seven days on, getting some physical activity to where I'm not, I, I'm not getting unhealthy, really, really unhealthy with as much as I'm going to be sitting at my computer for the systems integration thing. I've got a plan this year to write a second book, my second book. I've already written my first book, published it the very tail end of 2020. Now that it's 2022, it's time with the new schedule, especially there's no time like the present strike while the iron is hot. There's no time like the present to jump in and write this second book. But that's going to be some sitting down. That's going to be some stationary work. And I'm going to have to offset that. If I want to be productive long-term, healthy long-term, be around to play with my grandkids someday, which I would love to be, maybe great, maybe great grandkids too, Lord willing, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to get active. I'm going to, I need to be more active. It's not healthy. It, it It is what it is, right? Like this is a really great way for me to provide for my family. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining about it. I'm very, very thankful for it. But there are attendant challenges. And I'm going to have to try and find a way to overcome those challenges and counteract some of the downsides of this new situation. And I think that 11 Table Tennis and Blast On and Thrill of the Fight and maybe this climbing game, if I can work up the courage to try it, not the best with heights, but that's part of why I got the game. I actually, truly, like my kids have been the only ones to play it thus far, so far. But part of why I got the game is because I turned around trying to take my wife up to Pikes Peak for our 15th anniversary here at the uh, beginning of November. We celebrated a little early, but that's okay. Celebrated our 15th anniversary, my 35th birthday. I turned around not so far from the end of these switchbacks. If I would have made it just a little farther, a little longer, then we would have been able to say we made it to the top of this 14,000 foot plus uh, mountain here in Colorado, this famous mountain, world famous mountain. And the heights just, they got to me. They they really, really just, I, I made it to 12,700 feet. I felt like we were on top of the world. I was feeling woozy. I think it was a head game, but it was 
You know, it it definitely was having a physiological effect. Uh, you know, it wasn't all just in my head. There's a feedback loop between our thought life and our physical reality. And that can go both ways, right? Like getting physically active can help to improve our mental health. Also, too, if we're freaking out between the ears, it can cause a physiological, physical reaction, like being a little lightheaded, a little woozy, which is not a good place to be when you're that high. (laughs) So I get this climb to game, and part of my thought is, if it can help me to expose myself to this thing that I'm afraid of, maybe I can master that fear. It's not that I want bragging rights. It's not that I want everybody to know, hey, you know, if anything, I'm embarrassed to admit that heights are such a problem for me. It, it used to be really bad. You know, even being 20 feet up in the air, just really like... I would freeze up. I would just lock up like I couldn't do it. But it's not about it's not about bragging rights. It's not about foolish pride. It's about wanting to be self-controlled and not have that fear of heights control me. I want if I'm in a situation where, you know, hey, like what if the the mustachioed top hat wearing villain has kidnapped my children and taken them to the top of Pike's Peak and the only way for me to save my children is to get up you know face my fear get up there and you know fight the mustachioed top hat guy well then I don't want to be paralyzed towards like well sorry kids like if he comes back down off the mountain I guess I'll save you but till then you're on your own you know I don't want to do that can't do that uh Hopefully, Climb 2 ends up being part of a way of helping me to master that fear. We'll see. I'll let you know. I'll let you know how that goes. But I think that this VR thing, I think there could be a lot of really, really good uses. I think if the technology becomes our master and we become its slave, that is not good. That's the thing to be very concerned about. And I think that's why a lot of folks avoid these things is because they're, they're not sure how they could actually master the technology And they're afraid of it mastering them. They're afraid of being socially engineered. They're afraid of being brainwashed in some sense. I think those are legitimate concerns. You know, with the newfangled immersive technology, the potential for social engineers, for very manipulative people to play games with our minds if we're weak-minded. These are not the droids you're looking for. Jedi mind trick uh, type stuff. The potential... Uh, is only all the greater, the more immersive the technology is. But the flip side is, if these technologies can help us to be more self-controlled, well, then that's a good thing, right? If we can master the technology to where we're in the driver's seat, well, that's a good thing. And that should be the goal. Technology should not become a master. It should be a tool in our hands be able to accomplish good things, really to be able to augment in appropriate ways the purpose God put us here on earth for. You know, you think about innovations over the past century, replacing gas lighting, 
gas lamps with electric light bulbs, for instance? Are there attendant challenges with being able to electrify your house and work through the night, electrify your business, have a night shift and a day shift? Are there attendant problems where people now don't get the sleep that they used to? Absolutely. Does that mean that we should rip out all of the electric lights in our house and go back to gas lamps? Not so fast. That's not necessarily a a better thing. There were attendant challenges with the old way of doing things as well, if you'll remember. Houses catching on fire, for instance. Somebody knocks over the gas lamp. Whoosh! There goes your thatched roof cottage. There goes your bungalow. So it was a good thing on the whole, even though there were attendant challenges that needed to be overcome. Same with the automobile. I talked in a recent episode about how the automobile and moving pictures, movies as we now refer to them shorthand, uh, the theater, drive-in theaters and automobiles helped facilitate a revolution in how courtship was carried out in this country and around the world. No longer did the young man have to ride his horse carriage and have a limited range for where he could take the young lady with her parents' permission. He could drive up in his car and he could take her into the next county where nobody knows either of them. And that was that. And and they could do whatever they pleased. That changed not the character of young men and young women, but it changed their capability to give in to temptation. And a lot of people, accordingly, gave in to temptation. Does that mean that the automobile is a net evil in our lives? Does that mean that movies are a net evil? Well, not if we identify those challenges and we insist on being the master instead of the slave to these technologies. Same also with ag science. I come from a long, long line of farmers on my father's side. Farming in eastern Montana used to be, like all places, plowing by hand, plowing with a team of horses or some other kind of animal that was going to pull the plow through the field. That used to be what farming was. It was all by hand or with the help of animals that you had to feed and take care of if you wanted them to keep on doing work for you. And there's attendant challenges and risks and hazards with that, which were mitigated by the invention of tractors and other farm implements. All of a sudden, you've got the ability to sit in the tractor and drive back and forth, back and forth in this field. And not only are you able to sit, so it's less physically exhausting in the way that it used to be, but then you're able to reapply that efficiency, that efficiency of motion, economy of motion to other things. You're able to scale up your operation. You're able to actually feasibly plant and harvest a much bigger area with much fewer people, with far fewer people. And now instead of maintaining 
this team of horses. Maybe you maintain this tractor. So you, your whole operation shifts accordingly. <clears throat> but we're all the better for that. We're, we're all benefiting from an abundance of food and people being able to reallocate their attention to other things because of the agricultural revolution, as it's known. So I think also with VR, I think there's a lot of not just play, not just games, but a lot of exercise, a lot of learning, a lot of work, a lot of socializing that's going to be done in this space. I don't know that it's going to be an all-encompassing thing right away. It might be a few years before it really takes off, and it could turn some bad directions. I think it'll turn some good directions, and there will be uh, some bad aspects that we're going to have to mitigate. We're going to have to be on guard against just like anything. Anything where people are, are involved or concerned, you're going to have some great aspects to it. You're going to have some not so great aspects to it. But so far, we are really, really liking our quest too. I'll just say that. I will say that on the whole, it has been a good experience for us. You got to be careful with some of these online multiplayer games because it's the world. You're playing with the world. People all over who have very diverse uh, opinions on what is appropriate language, for instance. There's been a pretty good uh, workaround, I think, to that where you just say, hey, like if this community of players is really foul mouth. We just don't play that game. We just don't play that game multiplayer. If it's got a single player mode, we play single player. There's plenty enough to do without playing with that community of players who are dropping the F-bomb left and right, who are just really abusive. It seems as though Oculus is on the ball. Facebook, that is, honestly. Uh, though I hate to say it. Oculus is owned by Facebook. But Facebook has been pretty good. Oculus has been pretty good at removing players who are being abusive. They're just being mean, uh, bullying in a game. That's not necessary. You don't need to do that. Don't need to be harassing somebody. Just play the game. If you can't play and win by being a decent person, you don't need to play it. Get off. Get out of here. Uh, there's also opportunities to mute players. You know, somebody's just being a really obnoxious jerk, just mute him, right? Like, you can turn off the sound to that person specifically and just literally tune them out. But I think the opportunities for education here are fantastic. One of the first experiences I had with our Quest 2 was one of these VR videos that you can play. And it's not interactive, except that you can turn your head and you can look up and down to the side and all around. But I was in the International Space Station as it's hovering above the Earth, as it's orbiting the Earth. So I was up in the ISS looking down as all of these various scenes of clouds and mountains and oceans and rivers and everything are way down below. And there's this great like kind of spacey music that's playing very calm, very sci-fi type music. But I'm I'm up in space. 
that's fantastic. It, and it's very different. It's a very, very different way of experiencing the International Space Station. I, I would argue it's the next best thing to actually being in the ISS. The, the only way it could be better is if you could you know, walk around the ISS, which I'm sure that's coming. I was pretty stationary, like they had just set up a camera, one of those PTZ cameras or what have you, panorama cameras. I also swam with some sharks off the southern coast of South Africa. So I jump in this, and it wasn't a long one, but it was narrated with some educational facts about sharks, great whites in particular. And so I'm like, I'm looking up and down and all around in every direction. And there's some divers over there in a cage. And there's some fish swimming around. There's some smaller sharks here and there. And here comes a great white shark swimming right at me. And not, not aggressively. So it wasn't like too terrifying. But it was fascinating. Fascinating to not just watch a video in the traditional sense on the TV screen, on the computer screen, on your smartphone, not just look at a picture of a great white shark in a National Geographic magazine, but to actually have that sense. I mean, the only thing that was really missing was feeling like I was underwater. Like I, like you don't feel the water on your skin. And you, you know, I could have put on a wetsuit maybe and gotten you know crazy with it. But, I mean, even having the VR on kind of feels like you're wearing scuba gear a little bit. And so you're you're looking around, and here's this shark, right? And it's swimming right past you. There was another VR experience where I'm there next to a leopard as this leopard is eating uh, an antelope or something. And that one was a little longer, and it was a little weirder in some sense, but it had that that feel of being dropped into uh, the African savanna. Like this leopard, this big cat, is maybe five, ten feet away from me. And just chowing down. And then a few minutes in, like, and I'm looking all around in all these different directions, looking up at the, the bush and the grass kind of swaying in the breeze a little bit over there and looking, you know, all... All around, there's nothing else around really, but you can hear some birds and you can hear the sound of the leopard chomping and chewing and ripping and tearing and all that. A few minutes in, the leopard decides he's done. It was definitely a he, by the way. You could tell. Uh, he's done with his meal for right now. And he proceeds to, like cats do, like house cats do, uh, kick some dirt over the thing he's trying to bury. You know, he didn't bury it all that well, actually, to, to be fair. Mr. Leopard, you could have done a better job burying your food. Uh, but all the same, all the same, I think things like that being used as supplemental, uh, it's not all or nothing. It's not like everything's going to go over to this VR thing and there will no longer be a real life. That's not good. That's not healthy. Uh, we don't want that. But... I can imagine if my wife is teaching our kids about Anne Frank, right? Like, and I haven't tried this one out yet, but 
you know, say they're reading the diary of Anne Frank, there is a Anne Frank House VR game, and it's it's free. There's museums that are on Oculus, and I haven't explored that enough just yet, but I intend to here very shortly. But there's museums you can walk through, famous museums on the other side of the planet that you can tour. And you don't touch things in a museum anyways, typically, unless it's a you know children's museum or something like that. But just imagine being able to walk through the British Museum of Natural History, right? Being able to walk through a museum in Cairo, Egypt, or in Athens, Greece, or in New York City, or in Washington. Walk through the Smithsonian. I've never been to the Smithsonian. Maybe VR allows me to actually go and walk through the Smithsonian. How cool is that? What a time to be alive. I think if we jump in and we make use of it like that, there's a phenomenal amount of potential for this VR thing. 300 bucks is what our Quest 2 cost. I think that was a small, small, small price to pay. I mean, that's what a ping pong table would be. We don't have room for a ping pong table, but a good one would be 300 bucks. And even if we did have room for it, it would be, you know, displacing other things. For the cost of a ping pong table and some paddles and some balls, I, and you wouldn't even necessarily have somebody to play with all the time, anytime you like. Versus the Quest 2. Mini golf also, I'll just throw this out there. Mini golf, super, super fun. Really, really cool. Not like super high realistic graphics, but it's mini golf, right? Like it doesn't need to be super realistic graphics. Some really, really fun things that they do with mini golf courses in that game. I think it's like adventure mini golf or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it's called. But, I mean, take your family to mini golf a couple of times, especially like a family my size, a couple of times, and maybe you paid for the Quest 2, right? And and the Quest 2, by contrast, is like unlimited mini golf. Uh, there's some really neat VR shooters that are in there, like some shooting range VR uh, games. I bought one. Gun Club VR. It's a virtual shooting range. And then I've got a gun stock attachment, some third party, somebody or other put together that you actually can attach your two controllers, your two um, handheld controllers for the Quest 2. And once that arrives, I'm not going to play it until that arrives, but once that arrives here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to try out that shooting range, and I've heard really, really good things about it. People that are very much gun aficionados, they really like uh, going to the shooting range. Bullets are expensive right now, but if you can practice some fundamentals with this, and if it's a pretty realistic, like I'm told, I read, it's pretty realistic in terms of how you can manipulate the gun, and there's lots of different guns you can choose from that each have to be operated in different ways things that you can practice besides just shooting, like reloading, uh, like doing a quick uh, check, function check, clearing the chamber, uh, 
case you get a misfire, things like that you can do. But as opposed to doing it with your gun, which may or may not be loaded, you know, maybe you do some in the VR space and you get a lot of those wrinkles, a lot of those kinks worked out to where you're safer operating that firearm in real life when you go to operate that firearm in real life. Things like that. Lots and lots of things. All the things I think are potentially there. Are there some attendant challenges to watch out for? Absolutely. Should we be a slave to this technology? Definitely not. Should we be a slave to our fears and concerns about this technology potentially being misused? Also no. But I'm going to leave it there. I've had a lot of longer episodes here lately. I'm going to make this one a shorter one, try and get our episode length down a little bit. It seems like my audience really likes that 30 to 40 minute range. Once I start getting into the 50 minutes to an hour range, I start losing a lot of you guys that just don't have that long to listen. So I'm going to leave it there for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.